And so through that, God started doing some things with me that even in dreams and, and things in our church, that he's being very precise, where I don't just hear him and stop. When I hear him, I'll say, what do you mean by that? Show me what you're talking about. The word says, you know, we have not because we ask not. So sometimes we think because we have a word of knowledge, we just stop there. You know, Corinthians says, you know, that we see darkly. We see in part. But, you know, that chapter is talking about love. And when you really break down that chapter, it's really talking about when I was a child, I spoke as a child. But when I become mature, I put away childish things. What does that mean? As you mature in love, the greater that God can speak to you in detail. So that which is perfect has come. It's talking about love. Love is perfect. I heard Kenneth Copeland preach on this one time. I was freaking out. I'm going, oh my gosh, Kenneth Copeland's preaching kingdom. And you know where he got it? Because he had always preached it different. He said, my grandson preached this message. He said it changed his life. Now, we try to make it say a lot of things, but it's talking about love. And it's talking about the maturity that we don't, we don't just have to see in part. I've given prophetic words that have went 10 years in the future, and I mean laid out things of where people were going to be. That's not in part. I gave a prophetic word to a guy in my church, told him what he was going to do, where he was going to go to school, the law degree, everything. And I mean, I look back at the word and go, oh my gosh. <laughs> told him what he was going to deal with, and this was 10 years in the future. I mean, that's not in part. You say, well, how was you able to do that? I don't know. It's a gift. But when God starts showing me, is the, the gift, okay, can be used to a greater degree when your love is perfected. Used to, when I used to prophesy, I didn't care nothing about you. I just give the word, whether you liked it or you didn't like it. Come on, there's a lot of prophets in the Bible I can show you that are like that. Elijah started off that way. So I'm telling you all that to take you to this point, okay? And then we'll, we'll get into preaching here in a second. <clears throat> Since that time, God has moved me into, a, I don't know what to call it, it's just different. Usually every Saturday night, he'll give me a dream. And, and it's so weird because I don't know what I'm going to preach at our church because he'll give me a dream Saturday night, and then I have to go to the, get up early that morning, go into my office and go, okay, now what does this mean and where do you want me to go? That's, that's where I've been, I mean, for week after week after week. And I was telling uh, Eric and Shelly that last night. And so, guess what? Had a dream last night. But it wasn't about our church. It's about this church. Um, matter of fact, I was very miserable last night. Physically, I was very miserable. And, and let me give you the dream, and then I, I'm going to tell you what God told me about your church that today is an opportunity for you today is what i would call a bethel and an opportunity for an encounter that your life will never be the same i'm not saying that because me and sheila are here i don't think it's any accident that today is the start of the 21 days but there's a there's a fresh anointing coming and and what I saw in this dream was today will determine 
whether you'll be able to move into that fresh anointing. Are you with me so far? So in the dream, how many of you have ever watched a movie and the movie's over and you want to see certain credits of who did something and these things go forever and ever and ever and you're just going, and I mean, it's like it takes 20 minutes for the credits to go through. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It just keep coming. Well, that's what this dream was. This dream was person after person in this church. I couldn't see your face, but person after person was coming to me. And they were discussing with me their offenses, their hurts. This is what happened. And, and you didn't call them offenses, but they really were, were, this is where I got hurt. This is where I got disappointed. This is what happened to me. And in the dream, my heart was hurting, and, and I'm conversing with you, and I'm going, you know what? That happened to me. And I would, I would talk about it, and converse with it, and then it would happen again. And I'm talking to it, and it's, it would go over and over. And physically, in my body, I am hurting. My stomach feels like razor blades, physically, in the dream. Does that make sense to you? Now, once again, I'm not trying to be off-colored. How many of y'all have eating, eaten a lot of things you know you shouldn't eat? Your stomach is really... but. On top of that, you're constipated. <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? It's, in other words, you're hurting, but there's nothing you can do about it because you know that has to get out of you, but it ain't wanting to get out of you. See, that's what hurts and pains and offenses do. This is the scripture that he gave me. The scripture is out of Proverbs 18, verse 19. A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. And contentions are like the bars of a castle. A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips he shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Now let me tell you what I was conversing with you guys in this. It's not that you mean to. It's not that you want to. But when you get offended and hurt and pain and you rehearse that, you're actually eating curses into your life. And so you're eating things you know you shouldn't eat. You're not wanting to speak death, but you're actually speaking death over you. Once again, I'm not trying to be off-colored. But God said you need an enema this morning. Listen, I'm, I'm just bold enough to tell you how he speaks to me. Now, this is what I heard. He said, I am offering them the opportunity. Because this is what's happened. Some of you have been hurt. You've been offended. You've really tried to forgive. And it hadn't worked. And you say, well, how come it hadn't worked? It's because repentance is granted. See, a lot of times we preach a message that, you know, just choose to forgive. How many of y'all have tried to choose to forgive? Okay, I choose to But the next time you see that person, here it comes. And you think, man, God, I asked you to forgive me. Why didn't you forgive me? Because the issue is it has to be initiated by the Spirit of God. Godly sorrow worketh repentance. 
It didn't bring repentance. In other words, it brings you into a place that now he'll work it. Are you with me? See, repentance is granted. What God is offering you this morning, he is offering you repentance. In areas where you've been hurt and disappointed, here was the last thing that I saw. The last thing I saw was regret attached to this. And it was regret in loss. Like you had lost a mom, like you had lost a kid, like you had lost relationships. And you were dealing with this. This is what I heard you saying. Man, I, I should have done this when they were alive. I, I should have done this. If I would have done this, this wouldn't have happened and that wouldn't have happened. Are, are you understand what I'm saying? And there was regret attached to it. And it's basically the offense and the regret was keeping you hooked to your past. And this is what I heard God saying. It's not that I don't want to bless them. They're keeping me from blessing them. Because God always has to back up his word. And what does he say? When you're offended, if you don't release them and forgive them, I can't release you and bless you. Are you with me? And listen, it's not an issue that you didn't want to. It has to be granted. And see, a lot of times we think, oh, I'll just choose. How do you know that it's happened? Now, you have to understand, this, this is a very detailed dream. And I'm talking to you, and in every situation I would go, that happened to me. That happened to me. And then you guys said corporately, well, why is it not bothering you? And I gave you this story in the dream. I had a pastor that did me wrong. How many has ever had a pastor that did you wrong? Don't raise your hand. You know why? Because no matter how great we are, we're going to let you down. But this pastor, I mean, he didn't just do me wrong. He was, he was, uh, he was bad. <laughs> when I moved back to Atoka, I was praying about our building and our land. Okay? We were, we were setting up and tearing down in a, in a school. And so I was praying about our building and our land, and, and I went on a three-day fast, and I was driving down the road, and God said, give that pastor $5,000. I rebuke you, devil. <laughs> right? I mean, that's what I would think, and I didn't say it because I knew it was God. And I mean, God was very detailed. He said, I want you to take him out, him and his wife, take your leaders with you, honor him with a great meal, and give him $5,000. He said, the building that you have wanted, they'll call you on Monday, and you will get it for $5,000 less than what they said you could get it for. So you have to understand, I told my elders, this is what's going to happen. We did that on Friday. On Monday, they called and said, come get your building for $5,000 less. Now, this is what we do. We're dealing with God over here for blessings and resources and the glory. and the, Right? And this is what we're pursuing when God wants to deal down in the valley. <laughs> he wants to deal with something that's lodged in you that's keeping this from coming. And in the dream, I looked at you and I said, let me tell you what I did that changed my life and started me on this process. Because the Word of God says this, you're supposed to do what to somebody that uses you? Bless them. 
some of y'all might want to do me wrong. Pray for them. But you see, sometimes you're trying to forgive somebody that you've got to bless. I know y'all don't want to hear that. But see, there's, there's an attachment that there's times that they've hurt you so bad, it, you need a miracle. Did you know in Corinthians it talks about the gift of faith, the word of knowledge, all by the same spirit, the gifts, that they, boom, they're there. But not a miracle. A miracle says it's the working of a miracle. In other words, you've got to do something. You've got to release something. You've got to say something. You've got to go to someone. You've got to buy them some. Man, y'all quiet. See, a miracle just don't happen. It's the working of a miracle. You're asking God for something. It's going to take a miracle in your life. But you've got to work that miracle. You've got to do something that releases that miracle. I need a miracle with our land, with our building. I needed a miracle. But you know what? I had to work that miracle. And the working of that miracle was not only forgiving my pastor, I had to bless him and release something out of my hand that would touch that area and break it and now release the glory and the provision over here. Not just for me, but for the house of God. I had to work that miracle. Now, I know we don't like that. Now, already what's happening is I'm talking about this. Some of you are feeling that offense. See, if you don't, then don't worry about it. If you are, God's wanting to deal with that this morning. He's wanting to give you an opportunity. Some of you are dealing with the regret. You say, well, how do you know if it's there or not? Okay? This pastor, you have to understand, I love him. I treat him no different. When I think about what he did, there's no pain. I have memory of it, but there's no pain attached to it. That's how I know it's gone. Even after he done me wrong, I gave him more opportunities to do me wrong. You know, we have this saying in, you know, in Oklahoma, you know, you get one shot at doing that wrong, and then. But you know what? That's not the Word of God. I mean, I almost even went into business with him after that. You know why? Because I'm going to believe the best of you, and you do me wrong, I'm going to believe the best in you. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to pray for you. You know what it means? It means hold it not to their account that they've done any wrong to me. Don't just forgive them. Hold it as if they never did it and bless them with every blessing. You know what we do. God, I forgive them, but get them. You barbecue them. Now, we don't say that, but that, that's in us. Right? I mean, there's a country song out right now. I have to get on to my daughter about this song. It's... I hope your brakes go out when you're doing 90 miles or something like that. And, and, and the whole thing is, I'll pray for you. A, a lot of us can identify with that song because what's happening is when people do us wrong, when we get saved, we go, okay, I can't get them, but God, let them reap what they sowed. That's not what God wants. God's saying don't even hold it to their account. 
So this is what I'm going to ask you, okay? This is not my message. I didn't come here to do this. It would have been better if I didn't have to do this because this is not something that I look at and go, oh, I'm excited to come give this word. (laughs) But I want to tell you, I was in pain with it last night. Literally, the dream was so real. At 4.55, I woke up with razor blades in my stomach. in this dream and it just kept over it it's like it was the never-ending film it just kept coming and coming and coming and coming and i was going through this over and over and over with you and when i woke up i went oh my gosh god he said give them the opportunity so i'm going to ask you right now if the spirit of god's dealing with you i want you to stand up with offense with disappointment what I talked about. Listen, don't stand if God's not dealing with you. Don't do it. Okay? So real quick, I want you to come down here. Just make a line across here. Sheila, would you come? And I'm telling you, you need to go home today. Because God's going to grant you repentance today. I say that with all authority and assurance. But this is what you have to do. You have to go from this place going, okay, God, what do I need to do? If it's buy them a gift, buy them a gift. If it's pray for them out of your mouth. Come on, life and death are where? You may have to, out of your mouth, God, do not hold this to their account any longer. So you, life and death are here. What we want to do is make a choice, go, okay, I agree with that. No. You don't just agree with it. You come into agreement with words. Does that make sense? And some of you are going to have to pray blessings on them, literally. Some of you are going to have to do something for them, literally. You're going to have, I'm telling you, you're going to have to do it. I'm not saying you've got to give them $5,000. God will speak to you what you need to do. So I want you to hold, just hold your hands out before the Lord. And whatever, listen, I want you to see. You need to get a mic. You, you need to get whatever, whoever this is, whatever you're dealing with, I want you to picture that. I want you to let the emotions come. Literally, I'm, I'm asking you. Because what God's going to do, he's going to go into your soulish realm and he's going to deal with those emotions. Go ahead. About four this morning, I had a dream. And in the dream, we were in a park and it was a city full of people. And I believe it was you guys. Um, and some barren people, people that had lost their children were coming to steal our children. And I remember watching and walking through the park, and we were trying to make sure they didn't get our children because some moms did not know that there were women there that were there to snatch their children and take them away. And we've got to understand that this is attached to our children and our children's children. You may not even have children, but it is attached to it. It is something that wants to steal from your bloodline and from the next generation. See what this does? It allows sickness in your life. It allows disease in your life. You'll eat the fruit of it. And I'm telling you, God is offering you, he's granting you repentance this morning. But you've got to let him do it. You've got to let him go into that wound right now. So I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes and let the Holy Spirit, as I start to pray, when the Holy Spirit wants to go there, the emotions of it, the feeling of it. Now listen, I mean, this is deep. I saw molestation. 
I saw inheritance and things that you were beaten out of. I saw promotion where you were skipped over. I, I saw things when you were kids. I, thought, I saw things attached to ministry. And, and, and this is what you were saying. God, if you're good, how could you allow this to happen to me? Because that offense goes back to God. And God wants to break that. God wants to show you how good he is and that he's daddy. Understand that he did not do it. He'll turn around those things that happen to you and bring healing till they'll become a testimony to you and it'll give you authority over what used to have dominion over you. You, you will release with a new sound with this. There is a sound of freedom that has been captivated in you because what happened when you were a little girl. But I heard the word of the Lord says freedom is going to be your portion in a whole new dimension. Father, I release it over her life. No stain, no pain of the past, but total freedom will be her portion. Now, Father, right now I release by your word and I grant repentance for holding offense that ultimately went to you where things were done that were not their fault. Atrocities when they were children. God, we ask for healing right now. God, we ask that they would have the memory, but you would remove the pain. That it would become their testimony of the goodness of God and the authority that now they would walk in to be able to help others that are caught in the trap of offense and disappointment. God, where resources and finances and blessings have been withheld because of death they had released out of their mouth, I cancel them right now. I break the curse of that right now. And God, I release freedom. I grant them repentance by your word right now. Every bit of emotions in the soulish realm that have held on to this, that they say, I have the right because of what was done to them that was wrong. God, we give up our rights this morning. And God, we say we hold it not to their account. And God, I ask for you to speak to each one individually what they need to do. If they need to buy a gift, if they need to release things out of their mouth, specifically, God, I ask you to speak to them individually. That inheritance would be restored. That innocence would be restored. That purity would be restored. That confidence in their future would be restored. And where disappointment and pain has been their measure, Father, we break it and we release a new plumb line, a new foundation in their life to build upon your principles in your word that it will not return void, but it will accomplish what you send it to do. I bless it. I bless them, and I release it over their life. Every bit of stain from your past, son, that has dealt with your identity, that has shaken it, God says it's being removed. I'm putting a new coat on you like the coat of Joseph. I'm going to use you. <laughs> There's no doubt I'm going to use you. And I'm removing the stench of how you have seen yourself. And how the past has tried to lock on to you. God says he's cutting it off this morning. He's cutting it off. There will be a new release over your life.
Father, I bless him with it. I bless him with it in Jesus' name. Come on, now I just want you to thank you for it. Come on, just out of your out of your mouth. Out of your mouth, just start to thank God. Just release it out of your mouth. Remember, life and death are in the power of your tongue. Not only are you making that choice this morning, but you're, you're choosing today and saying out your mouth, I'm not going to eat that anymore. I'm not going to eat the bread of sorrow anymore. It is a new day. It is a new release. So, Father, I bless them. I, I ask you to seal it in their lives this morning. In Jesus' name. Come on, you say this with me, and then I'll let you go to your seats. Say, Father God, you are good. I thank you for your goodness. I accept your forgiveness. I release forgiveness this morning. Cleanse me from the offense and my right to hold on to it. Today I choose... To believe that I am forgiven, therefore I forgive. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You are released. y'all could just sense the Spirit of God working on that. I'm telling you, that's how precise God is. He is so good, He'll show you why you can't move into blessings. Isn't that awesome? That He won't leave you in that old structure. He'll say, listen, this is what you need to deal with, and if you'll deal with it, I'll move you in to what God has for you. So open up with me to Matthew. We're going to go quick this morning. I'm going to give you some principles of inheritance. Matthew chapter 16. How many believes that God is bound by His own word? Amen. He's bound by His own principles, right? So whatever word He gives us, He also has to operate in that word. Does that make sense to you? So if, if you were to look at that, if you would say, what is God looking for on the earth? Well, God is looking for what God sowed. And what did He sow? He sowed a son, didn't He? Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. He sowed a son. What's he looking for? He's looking for sons. See, when you get saved, everybody becomes a child of God, but it does not mean that you'll become a son of God. A son of God is one that matures and allows discipline from God. Now, can I explain something to you? You just got disciplined this morning. That's what that was. Wasn't so bad, was it? See, we have this idea of discipline of God as he beating us, you know, like our daddy did. Or What was this this morning? That's God's discipline. His, his discipline's good. Hebrews tells us this. If you do not allow the discipline, you're illegitimate. See, the, he'll always discipline with his word. His word is good. His word says, listen, if you don't forgive, I can't forgive you. And so he'll deal with you if you're, not, if you're holding on to something. That's his discipline. Discipline is not a bad thing. But he says, if you don't allow it in your life, you cause yourself to be illegitimate. So, if God is bound by his word and he sowed a son, 
What is he looking for on the earth? He's looking for sons. Why? Because sons, now you have to understand, sons is not gender. It's male and female. Okay? You have to understand, you're not a member of the kingdom. You're a citizen of the kingdom. But God wants you to operate as sons in the kingdom. Why? Because sons are what? They're in line for an inheritance. Did you know heaven's not your inheritance? Heaven's your retirement plan. Because see, if heaven's your inheritance, you've got to die to get it. If Jesus is your inheritance, he died so you could get it. See, I, I don't want to die to get my inheritance. He died so I can have my inheritance. And how did he operate on the earth? He operated as a son. Remember when the heavens opened. And Jesus and God said, this is my apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, intercessor, song leader, nursery worker, construction, CEO. No, this is my, that is the highest, most valuable thing you could ever hear from your daddy. Why? Because it's identity. The five-fold ministry, the apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist, is a gift. He that ascended also descended, and he gave gifts unto. Listen, I believe in the gifts. I is one, right? But my gift doesn't identify me. First and foremost, I'm a son. Because a son gets inheritance. The gift is for you. The sonship is for me. Oh, See, if I find my, my identity in my gift, I'm going to be very disappointed. Because my gift is on me for you. Are you with me? But my identity is on me for me. So I don't want to find my identity in my gifting. Or in my title. Why? Because my gifting does not put me in a line for inheritance. That's a... Free gift. Salvation is a free gift. Not of works, lest any man should boast. It's a gift. Salvation's a gift. But sonship is an identity. And see, Jesus understood that. And the reason he could walk in what God had and hear him, I don't do anything unless I see my father do it. Hear Why? Because he was a son. He said, this is my son. The number one thing the enemy wants in your life is your identity. If he can get your identity, he can move you into anything. Watch how the enemy comes after Jesus. The Spirit of God drove him into the wilderness. Is that right? He gets in there and he said, If you be an apostle. If you be the Son of God. What was he doing? He was saying, Do you know who you are? Excuse me, devil. The heavens just opened. And Daddy God just thundered. That's my son! In who I'm well pleased! It wasn't this, that's my son. How many of y'all has ever had a little boy that is of your DNA hit a home run? And you go, that's my boy. No, you will be yelling, that's my boy! That's what it was like. It was like Daddy God hollering, Look what he just did. 
He just hit that up. That's my son. I mean, he was screaming it. It was the joy of a father over a son. That's what he wants to be to you. That's how he sees you. But if you don't allow him to release that on you, you'll see yourself illegitimate. You'll see yourself what people have told you you are. I'm his favorite. You don't even get to vote. But see, every one of you ought to see Daddy God like that, that you're his favorite. Because whatever he has, when he gives you some of it, he has no less than what he gave you. Does that make sense? Turn this, what? If you be the Son of God, turn this stone into bread. Now watch what he did. Look what, look what he did. He dealt with him with the written word. I want to tell you something. The written word's powerful. But the written word, you've got to use faith to enable the written word. I'm going to stretch you a little bit this morning. Why? Because it's something that's written. You believe it. You attach your belief system to it. And then you speak it. Faith is. I believe, therefore I speak. A lot of people use Hebrews, but really it's in Corinthians. He said, I believe, therefore I speak. That's faith. You believe what you speak. You can speak it, but if you don't believe it, it ain't going to work. And so this is what Jesus did. It is written. In other words, this is what my daddy said. See, the enemy was trying to focus on him, if you be the Son of God. I'm not even going to deal with you on who I am. I know who I am. Daddy just told me who I was. So I'm going to deal with you what Daddy already said. And so then it didn't work, so he comes again. If you be the Son of God, takes him up, remember? Cast yourself down from here. The angels will come around you. They'll bless you your foot against a stone. What do he say? It is written what? Exactly. What was he doing? Once again, he was quoting something that was already written in the Word, in the Old Covenant. Now watch how the enemy shifts. If he can't get you in who you are, then he'll try to offer you something prematurely. The next one, he takes him up and shows you the kingdoms of this world. He said, if you'll bow down and worship me, what did he say? I'll give them to you. Why did, he, why did he offer him that? Because he had them at that time. He took them from Adam. And see, he was offering them to Jesus prematurely. But Revelations tells me that the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of my Lord and Christ. What was Jesus doing? Jesus was saying, listen, you're offering something illegitimately that only my daddy has the right to give me. You know what he was saying? It's my inheritance. You're trying to give it to me prematurely. You can't get me in my identity. So you're going to try to offer me something and deal with pride, arrogance. See, identity and sonship is not pride and arrogance. It's humility. So he offered him something prematurely. Really, in Begley terms, it means you're offering me something that only my daddy can give me. It's the same thing that happened with David in the cave of Adullam when they said, Kill Saul! Take the kingdom. 
And David's heart smote him. I said, man, I shouldn't have even have cut the robe. You know why? Because if he would have taken it, he would have been just like Saul. See, if you take something, then you've got to protect it. If you let God give it to you, he protects it. Psalms 127, if those that labor, labor in vain unless he builds the house. Are you with me? So the issue is that the, the good news about the kingdom is sonship levels the playing field. It doesn't mean we don't recognize the gifts of apostle and prophet and pastor. Yes, we honor those gifts. Yes, we understand there's mantlings on, in those gifts. But in the kingdom, are you with me? As sons of God, the gift doesn't make you more valuable than me. It doesn't make the man in the pulpit more valuable than the person on the pew. See, if we do that, we build a hierarchy system. And we start to worship the person instead of the position. Are you with me? See, I might not agree with everything that's happening with our president, but I still honor the position that he holds. I might not agree with the way everybody moves apostolically or prophetically, but the issue is I have to honor the gifting that God has placed on them. Does that make sense? But I can't use it in the kingdom to lord and reign over you because you're my brother and sister, and guess what? There's no respect of persons in the kingdom. And he gives everyone the right to be sons. He gives everyone the right to have inheritance. He gives everyone the right to move in giftings and anointings. Matter of fact, he tells you, covet those giftings. But he says, I'll show you a more excellent way. And then he goes into the chapter of love. Why? The more excellent way is love. To the degree that you can love somebody will be to the degree that he can use you in a gift. See, some people go, well, I just don't know why my gift is not maturing. Because you don't love people. You, you, if we don't watch it, we become like Moses. We get mad at the people. And it keeps us from entering into the fullness. Are you with me? Now, I don't know about you. I love you. Do me wrong, I'm going to love you more. It may take me a while to get there, but I'm going to do it. So let's look at this. In Matthew chapter 16, it's a very familiar passage. He says, who do men say that I am? See, this is what you have to understand. Number one, we have to understand how does God build? Number one, God builds generationally. What does that mean? When he would say, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What was he saying? I build generationally. You know why? God is about the family. God started this thing with a family. He's going to end this thing with a family. It's not about a church. It's about a family. Are you with me? See, what we've tried to do is we've, be, we've tried to be an army before we become a family. And if you become an army before you're a family, you'll turn on one another. But if you'll truly allow the covenant of family, then you can be the ecclesia, the army of God, the taking ground of God. Oh, yeah. Moses had the children of Israel. They tried to operate as an army before they were a family. So when they went in to spy the land, they pulled out 12 leaders, 
And two of them come back and said, oh, yeah, it is what God said. God said, they are of a different spirit because they had the spirit of family. They had the spirit of generational. Remember when Caleb went in? He said, this ain't just for me. This is for my family. If my children's children, I want the baddest giants in there because I want the best land for my kids and my grandkids. A righteous man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. It's about family. See, we're losing America because we have lost the idea of family. We don't want to sacrifice for our children anymore. It's all about bless me. Make me feel good. Let me have a better life. Let's run the debt up. Let's run the credit cards up. And our children have no inheritance or freedom. Oh, y'all didn't get quiet now. See, the problem we have in our nation is the problem we have in the church. The reason our nation is moving into socialism is because our church is operated in socialism. Y'all want to go there? Think about it. What the church has done which is a socialistic gospel. You're not smart enough to know what to do with your money. Give it. Now listen, I'm not talking about the local church. I mean, look at, look at how many times you look on TV and all it is is make a vow, send me money, send me money for the ministry, send me money, send me money, send me money. It's big ministry. We determine what to do with the money. We build what we want to build. That's socialism. Capitalism is we empower you to say you can hear God. What is God telling you to do? What about your community? Are, are you going to see that's empowering the believer? You have a right. You're a son. You have a right to hear God. It won't take away from what you give. I promise you, it will enhance what you give. Why? Because you will start taking the place that government has moved into. Government does not do a good job with it. Why? It's not their place. They are not anointed to do it. That's why it's failing. They cannot do it. God will not allow it. God is jealous over it, and he's saying, it is my body that does this from the inheritance that flows through me into a son. But the reason we can't do it is because we don't operate out of the soul. My wife's going to give the women that tonight. So you men are going to wish y'all, never mind. Watch this, because everybody comes to this place. Everybody has their Gethsemane. Not... My will, but your will be done. See, that's the soulish realm. He didn't want to go to that cross in the soul. I'm telling you, he didn't want to. He didn't want to in the flesh. But daddy, he had a relationship with daddy in the spirit realm. See, the reason a lot of us can't operate in the spirit is because our soul dominates us. Our mind, our will, and our emotions. It don't make sense. It's not practical. I'm telling you, in this economic crisis right now, y'all are freaking out. I'm not, when I'm talking about y'all, I'm talking about people. They're freaking out. What are we going to do? How are we going to do it? Listen, in the depression, we're always talking about all the people that lost their money. Wonder who got their money. If there was a bunch of people that lost it, there's a bunch of people that got it. Are, are y'all hearing what I'm saying? I believe the wealth of the wicked has been laid up. But it's laid up. In other words, if you're a child, you ain't going to get it. One of my friends asked his daughter the other night, says, Baby, what are you going to do when you grow up? She said, I'm going to reach the cereal. I'm not going to have to get a stool. Think about how powerful that is. See, it's laid up. In other words, 
your sonship moves you into it. But as long as you stay as a child, you're going to speak like a child, you're going to operate like a child, you're going to say, that's mine! Get my toy back! Why are they getting that, Mama? And I didn't get it for Christmas. But you know what? When you become a son, you rejoice over what they got because you know you're next. If you did it for you, oh, he'll do it for me. Because I'm his favorite, and if he done it for you, can you imagine what he's about to do for me? See, it's how you see in the kingdom. Are you with me? And this is what Jesus was asking. Listen, any time that God asks a question, he's not looking for information. He's all-knowing. When he sent them into the land to see if the land was good, he knew the land was good. He wants to know, how do you see it? Let me ask you something. How do you see this, uh, this nation right now? See, I love the prophetic mantling. Because when everybody else sees it bad, I see it a whole other way. See, when you see it that I don't have money, I'll see it, I'm going to get yours. <laughs> Listen, God spoke to me, and I don't have time to go into all this, but he spoke to me, he said, the church is in the position right now that I am moving you from the brook to the widow woman. Now, you can stay in that old structure. And God blessed me here, and he fed me here and supernaturally in the brook, but guess what? The brook dried up. You can stay there, but you're going to die. Go to the widow woman. That don't make sense. The widow woman ain't got no husband. She ain't got no provision. God doesn't make sense. He makes dollars. <laughs> he always tells you to do something by the spirit that the flesh and soul cannot comprehend. And if you don't move in it, you will not get supernatural provision. Why? Because God will create space so he can fill it. That's why he, he asks you to give. Well, I don't got it. Good, because he wants you to give so he can fill what you don't have. Throw the net on the other side. We ain't caught nothing. Throw the net on the other side. But we ain't caught nothing. We fished. Throw the net. They throw the net. Look what happens. The abundance comes in. Jesus didn't need to fish. He was on the seashore cooking fish. But what did he ask them? Bring me some of that fish. Why? Because he'll always ask for what you didn't have. Then he gives it to you. Then he says, now bring me some. Why? Because he's, he's trying to see, can I give you more? Will you use it for the kingdom or does he use it for you? See, it's not that he doesn't want you to have it, but what are you going to do with it? How are you going to use it? He says, who do men say that I am? You know all the disciples were going, why didn't I say that? Because Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus went, that's my boy. <laughs> Flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but my daddy and all the other 11 were going, oh, man, why didn't I say it? Right? But watch what he says. He says, now, upon this, I'm going to build my church. God never asked us to build the church. Now, listen, upon what? How is he going to build? I want you to get this. Jesus tells us, here's a son that recognizes that he is the son of God. And because he is the son of God, and now he's attached to him, he has the right for the same inheritance that he does. So Peter has the right to hear daddy just like Jesus heard daddy. And Peter says, you are the Christ, 
And Jesus goes, Woo! You getting it, Peter? Daddy told you that. You're starting to understand you have the right to hear him. Watch this. And I'm going to build my church. How? He's going to build the church with a daddy talking to a son. By revelation. That's how he builds. You mean it's come to that? Yeah. I need to hear God. Why? Because when God speaks, his word will not return void. It will accomplish whatever he sends it to do. I was talking to your pastor a little bit about this. I don't have time to go into it. But there's something called God sowing. See, we, we operate in a law of reaping and sowing, right? But that works for everybody. You don't even have to be saved and it'll work for you. Why? It's a law. It's like gravity. Gravity works for everybody. I could be lost, drop that box, you're going to do the same thing. Why? It's a law. works for everybody. But there should be a higher law for us. And that law is the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, that has set us free from the law of sin and death. What does that mean? When Jesus was here, he didn't operate by the law of sin and death. Matter of fact, something died, he got it up. He interrupted funerals. Right? He would work miracles. But how would he work miracles? What do you have? Well, I got five loaf and two feet. Give me what you have. Let's work the miracle. How many of y'all need a miracle in your finances? you got to work the miracle. You're going, oh, I'm believing for my miracle. It ain't coming. It ain't coming just to believe. you got to work it. you got to do something. What? What does he tell you to do? What's he making a demand on? I'm doing some things financially with our church. How many knows we need to? And, and, and God, I was putting some strategy together. And I thought, more I got it together. And God said, no. I said, oh, okay. What do you want me to do? He said, you do it. I said, with what? And he pointed at a little bit I had in retirement. He said, use that. I know my retirement. He said, if you're going to lead, lead by example. You do it. And watch what I'll do on it. And he said, I'll show you God sowing. He said, well, what's God sowing? That's houses you didn't build. That's vineyards you didn't plant. That's wells you didn't dig. I like that kind of sowing. I'm not against sowing and reaping. That's good, but I really like God sowing. I like when he builds it and I don't have to pay for it. I like that he blesses you and he adds no sorrow. You know what the sorrow is? It's that payment every month. Come on, are y'all out there? See, either we got to position ourselves for God to do this, or we have to quit believing it. Because, see, we say we believe it, but it's time for us to operate in it. What better time than now when the government cannot pay for the schools and the church walks in with $100,000 and says, what can I, where can I put this? And they say, well, come on in. What, what, what you want to do? Well, I want to talk to the kids, and I want to tell them about Jesus. Well, do what you want to do, honey. Because they're in such need for the money. Do y'all see what is happening? It's not bad. It's good that our government's not working. I hope y'all can see prophetically. Why? Because he's trying to move the church into the place that we operate in the resources of the kingdom, that we have the influence. I don't want Bill Gates to have the influence anymore. It's good, but it's not operating in the kingdom. Hello. Thank God for government programs, but they're not working. Why? 
He's wanting the church to grab a hold of it and say, no, that's our place. And when we move into that place, we lift him up. And they say, where did you get that money? Well, God gave it to me. What God? (laughs) Not Allah. Not Buddha. Come on. Why? It's our inheritance. What's our inheritance? The inheritance is in the saints. Read Ephesians. It says the inheritance is in the saints. The hope of glory in the saints. Not heaven. We're all trying to get to heaven and get to glory. She told you today, you get glory right in the valley. You don't have to be on the mountaintop. I saw something coming here. Y'all see this on my back? I didn't realize it, that I wore this shirt. But on the way here, the first time ever in my life, I saw a huge eagle. It was on the ground. I've never seen, in my lifetime, I've never seen an eagle on the ground. And it was on a creek bed looking in the water. What do you think about that? When she was prophesying, that's what I saw. I saw that eagle. Because, see, we're used to seeing that eagle on that mountaintop in its nest or flying up here. And we're looking for the glory way up here. Oh, here's the glory. Let's get up to the glory. And God's saying, right in the midst of an economic crisis, right in the midst of my greatest glory is right there. When you get a miracle, when you need it. Why? But you have to understand your identity. You have to understand you're a son and God wants to give it to you. I mean, I'm not interested in just building a church. God will build the church. I'm interested in advancing the kingdom. What does that mean? I want to see nations change in a day. Well, I just don't believe that'll happen. Well, you probably didn't believe the Berlin Wall would come down, but it did. Probably didn't believe that Russia was going to split up, but it did. God can do supernatural things. The issue is He needs people to come into their inheritance. How do you operate in that? Sonship. Why and how do I know I'm a son when his will is above your will? You, how did Jesus learn obedience? Through the things that he See, a sonship operates in obedience. What does that mean? That means when God says to do something, I don't care if it don't make sense. Now, I'm going to end with this. Three things. You need to write these down. Three things that God said he's shifting us into. If you can't shift into these three things, you're going to be in trouble. Number one, he was sending the prophet that was in hiding. The church has been in hiding for too long. I'm not saying God didn't develop that structure, because he did. He used that structure. He used that with Elijah. He put him by that brook and hit him. But now he says, go to the widow woman. Now I want you to get this. He's the man of God. He's going to live with a widow woman. How does that look? Don't look good, does it? The man of God is living with a widow woman. Do I need to explain? If you are more concerned about what people are going to say about you than obeying God, you're going to miss your provision. If you care more about your reputation, listen, the Bible is plainly clear. If they said it about Jesus, they're going to say it about you. Have you been called the devil lately? Because they called him the chief of devils. But how did he respond in it? Well, let me ask you a question. If I, by the finger of God, cast out devils, a divided house cannot stand. So I must be from God if I'm casting out the devil and the devil's coming out. Let me ask you a question. How are you casting him out? And they're going, 
They're not. So guess who your daddy is? He's a pretty smart guy. What am I saying? He wasn't down here worried about his reputation. Matter of fact, the publicans and the sinners loved him. It was the religious that didn't like him. I promise you, it ain't the lost that's talking about you. It ain't the lost that's making up stories about you. You know why religious will talk about you? Because you can do something they can't do. Because, see, they're trying to be like God without God. It's kind of like when you're walking a dog. You ever walked a dog? And you walk by a fence, and all the dogs in the yard go crazy? And they're freaking out. You know why? Because they're mad because you're going somewhere and they're not. Y'all need to think about that. See, religion sticks you into a place and gives you rules and regulations. God gives you relationships, and let's go do something. If you care more about your reputation than you do about the kingdom, guess what? You're going to be stuck. I'm not saying you're not going to make it to heaven. You might just get there quicker. Sorry, not my house. Secondly, God moves you into a place of supernatural provision. Guess what? We're in an economic crisis. It's time that you quit looking for your paycheck that what sustains you. What does that mean? God wants to give you supernatural provision. Why? Because it belongs to you. You're a son. Businesses. Creative ideas. Investment. Well, I don't know how to do that. Good. That's why he can speak to you and tell you what to do. He's training me in some investment things. He told me, he said, I want to train you. You know, part of training is losing. I won't do that again. <laughs> but you know what we do? We're afraid to take a risk. George Washington said this, the greatest risk is not taking one. See, the world calls it risk. The church calls it faith. See, somewhere you've got to believe in faith and step out. It's not in you. It's in what God will use you to do. you just got to be available. You've got to have the want to. Everybody say the want to. The want to will move you into the how to. The how to will move you into get to. See, a lot of people won't get into the want to. That's all you've got to give God. God, I want to. God, I want to pay people's house payments. God, I want to give away vehicles. God, I want to pay people's mortgages. I got to want to. I don't know how, but God, I want to. Then he'll move you into the how-to. See, because I started with the want-to, and now there's some how-to that's coming that I'm going to get to. Are you with me? But if you do not operate by the Spirit, because I guarantee you he'll tell you to do things, that your soul's going to go, I don't know how to do that. Why are you sending me to a widow woman? They're going to talk about me. They're already talking about you, Elijah. You just don't know it. Can I tell you, if you go into this church, they're talking about you. Anybody that's doing something for God, they're going to talk about you. Now watch what he did. You have to make a demand as well. You've got to put it out there. She said, I only got two sticks, and I'm fixing this for my boy, and we're going to die. Okay, fix me some first. Now how can he do that? How arrogant of him. Because he has already heard God that the widow woman is going to sustain him. See, it's easy to be bold when you're carrying the answer. The answer to the economic crisis is God. So why would I be afraid in the economic crisis? I'm carrying the answer. 
If I'm carrying the answer, I can be bold. Because God's my provision. I don't care how he's got to get it to me. He will get it to me. You might go hungry, but I'm going to eat. Answer that might be God telling you what to do. (laughs) Now watch this. Supernatural provision will not just be for you. It'll always be for you and the next generation. See, remember how God builds. If you don't have vision for the next generation, God's not going to bring you supernatural provision. What are you going to do with it? I'm going to rescue orphans. I'm going to train sons and daughters. I'm going to go after sex trafficking. Come on, what are you going to do with it? I'm going to have drug rehabs. I'm going to bring young boys and girls in from all over the world and train them, train them in business. How do you know business? I don't, but my daddy does. He's real good. Are you understanding what I'm saying? He's not asking you to train what you know. He's asking you to move in what you don't know. If you know it, you don't need him. People say, what are you doing? I say, I have no idea. Where are you going? I'm following him. Yeah, but you own the water. I know. I hope I don't sink. But I got a promise if I go down, he'll be right there with me. You know the other 11 disciples went, oh, man, why didn't I say, if that's you, bid me come? We want to focus on him sinking. I guarantee you Peter used that walking on the water. Every time the disciples said something against him, he'd go, "Uh uh-huh, you know. You know what I did. Mm -hmm." Think about it. Think about the two men that were on the Mount Transfiguration. Why those two? Remember I told you Moses tried to operate in an army before he was a family. The griping and complaining, and guess what? They buried them. For 40 years, they buried Grandma and Grandpa in the desert. The mantle shifted. Remember, he laid hands on Joshua, a son. The next generation ought to always do more than you, at least double. So Joshua gets the mantle. And what does he do? He takes all the captains and says, Now, everybody line up with the vision or kill them. What's he saying? We're going to be a family first. If you're not part of the family, we're going to kill you and get you out. <laughs> Read the book. That's what it says. He said, we ain't going to put up this griping and complaining anymore. Daddy Moses was awesome, but we, we're not going to operate in the wilderness anymore. We're going in. This is what we're going to do. We ain't never done it this way before. You know why they lined up with the vision? Because they were tired of digging graves in the desert. Are y'all tired of digging graves in the desert? Read it. Everybody go, I'm with you. mm -hmm." Whatever you say, I'm there, buddy. They didn't gripe and complain when they went in. And when he told them, walk around, don't say anything. uh, Joshua was the fighter. Moses was the one that stood on the hill. Can you imagine? He said, Joshua, walk around, don't say nothing. Why? Because he's trying to show him, we ain't going to do it like we've done it before. I want to give you a city in a day. I want to give you a million in a moment. He said, oh, man, I can't believe for that. I'll take yours. I don't mean that in a wrong way. I'm not believing for millions. I'm believing for billions. I really am. I'm believing to change governments. I'm believing to see nations shift overnight where they can't pay their bills and God gives us the resources to come in and set a whole structure for a nation. You say, man, you're out of your mind. No, I'm out of yours. I got the mind of Christ. What do you have? 
Think about it. That's what God says. It's available to who? Sons. You know why they hated Jesus? They didn't hate Jesus just because he did miracles. They hated him because he brought a new government. See, if you have power without structure, you're a coup. But if you have power with structure, you're a government. You're an ecclesia. You know what the structure is? It's vision. How are we going to accomplish this? Jesus came and he said, you have heard, but I say. You have heard, but I say. You have heard, but I say. What was he doing? He's bringing a new government. We're going to have a new way of doing things. The kingdom's here. It's at hand. What does it mean? New way of doing things. New kingdoms come from heaven to earth. New way of doing things. Are, are you Understand what I'm saying. See, God is positioning us for a new way of doing things. As sons and daughters. It's what Romans says. The earth is groaning and crying out for the apostles to come forth. For the prophets to prophesy. For the sons of God. Why? What does that mean? It means they understand their inheritance in their identity, not in their gifting. You are more powerful in your identity than you are in your gifting. Your gifting is God puts a gift on you that flows through you to somebody else, but your identity is for you and for the next generation to build that it gets stronger with the next generation. It's what Elijah and Elisha did. Are you with me? The three things. Your reputation, supernatural provision, and the next generation. Those are three things that you need to look at. Do you care more about your reputation in the kingdom? It'll keep supernatural provision. Look at this. Give me five minutes. Give me five minutes. I'm close. I want you to see this. Number three is the next generation. Remember the son in the house died. Watch this. The son in the house died. Elijah took him, took him up to his room, took him up to the high place. Watch this. The prophet lived up here. The woman lived down here. Took him up to where he was operating. She was operating and seeing death. He was operating and seeing life. Took him up to where he was operating. Laid on the boy, breathed his life into the next generation. See, we're not breathing life in the next generation. We're breathing death in the next generation. We're cursing the next generation. We're releasing debt on the next generation. We don't believe in the next generation. We don't have vision for the next generation. Matter of fact, all we want to do is, I'm going to get my heaven. I just want to go to heaven. You're selfish. Listen, I, I'm not an issue. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about Jesus coming back. Praise God. Not yet. Why? Because there's a whole generation that don't know you. And you want to use me as a son to bring in a billion for the kingdom. Oh, do you really think he can do that? Absolutely what I'm living for I want to see it not just for America but for the nations you need to go to a third world country like India man you can't teach them this kind of stuff you just get up and say Jesus loves you and they run to the altar it's hard to come back to America and preach when you're seeing tumors disappear and blind eyes open deaf ears open you're just going oh my gosh and I gotta go back to America there they have to pull you away from the people there's such a hunger Preached in places where a white man has never been. <laughs> I like it. Like Paul, I'm building on no one else's foundation. You know what I did? I said, well, I'm carrying the answer, right? I said, let's see whose God is God. 
If Hindu is God, let's see. Bring your sick. Bring the cancer. Bring the death. Bring them here and let's see whose God is God. Right in front of a Hindu temple. My daughter was with me. We took a whole team. I'm standing on the stage. I saw a light hit this lady. She's deaf. Never spoke before. One of my spiritual daughters is standing. They start pogoing. I saw the Spirit of God hit them. I said, get her up here. She got up there, never spoke before, and heard before, and started speaking. The place was, wow. All of a sudden, miracles start happening in the crowd. And then you come back to America. Why? Because there's desperation there. God forbid that we have to wait for desperation to move into that kind of stuff here. When it's our inheritance, we just got to go after it. We just got to go after it. I told you five minutes, so I'm in with this. Elijah did not know what he needed. He was the man and prophet of the time. He confronted the spirit of Baal. We are dealing with it in our nation a passivity spirit of Ahab and a controlling spirit of Jezebel. Now watch this. We focus on Jezebel, but Jezebel is not the focus. Ahab is the focus. The church has become passive. The church has become idle and afraid. And when you do that, Jezebel wants your inheritance. She took Naboth's vineyard. Naboth's vineyard was God's garden from him. It was where God sowed for him and his children. Are, are you understanding? It's your inheritance, not just for you, but for your children. That's what that controlling spirit wants. It wants it in our nation, and it wants it in our lives individually. And if you become passive, it'll get it. Why? Because it will rob from you your authority, and it'll put you on the run just like it did who? Elijah. He ran from a spirit, not from a woman. But God gave him what he didn't know he needed. He's feeling sorry for himself. Nobody's doing what I'm doing. I'm the man of God. Nobody's doing what I'm doing. He said, buddy, I got 7,000 that hadn't bowed their knee. Matter of fact, you're so caught up in what you're doing, go anoint somebody in your place. Go anoint Elisha. He throws the mantle on Elisha. Elisha says, let me go say goodbye to my mom and dad. He said, do what you want to. I didn't want to come do this anyway. I'm just doing it because God told me to. That's really what he's doing. And Elisha goes with him. Remember, he, re- he ran from Jezebel. And all of a sudden, God gives him a son. And all of a sudden, he stands up and prophesies. And he prophesies to Ahab, and he prophesies to Jezebel. And he said, the dogs will lick your blood up. Woo, where'd that boldness come from? Now he's got a son. Now he's got somebody watching his back. Now he's got somebody to carry twice what he carries in. Look at the great ministries that have come and died and no son to carry on the mantle. Think about it. See, God doesn't want your anointing to go with you when you die because it doesn't. It stays here and it looks for somebody that'll take it. And when Elisha crossed with Elijah, he said, what do you want? He said, if you see me when I go. He said, you've asked a hard thing, but if God lets you see it. And he cried out, Father! He wasn't talking to God. He's talking to Elijah. He was saying, Daddy, Daddy, I see it. And he went and picked up the mantle of Elijah. He ripped his old clothes, stepped into a new structure. Went back, watch this, to the river, and what did he do? Smote it, said, where is the God? Of Elijah. He understood what he was walking in because he had a daddy. 
that prepared the way. Now he's walking in a double anointing. He goes back to the cities that they had just walked through. Remember? He goes into Jericho. Remember what was going on in Jericho? The land was barren and the water was bitter. Is that right? Daddy Elijah walked through there. Why didn't God have him do something? Because it took a double portion to heal the land and to purify the water. The next generation is the answer for our nation. Because any time there is a father's son, there's a greater impartation and anointing the son should walk in. And Elisha comes into that place and says, bring me a new cruise. In other words, bring me a new way of doing something. You know what the prophets wanted to do? The prophets prophesied, they're going, your, your, your coverings will be taken from you today. He goes, shh, I know it. In every place he went. You know why? Because they'll prophesy something, but they don't get to experience it. Your gift can tell you something that you don't get to experience. Y'all not listening to me. Elisha wasn't just a prophet. Elisha was a son. So not only did he know it, he's going to get to experience what others are just prophesying about. And when they showed up, they said, let us go look for Elijah. He said, you ain't going to find him? They go, no, let us go look. He said, no, let us go look. He said, go ahead. You know why? Because we're looking for the old anointing when the new anointing's here. It's our sons and daughters. It is, man. And what Elisha operated in, went in and healed the land and healed the water. The most valuable possession we have is the next generation. And you know what? They need you to believe in them and to release in them. It's called fathers and sons. Why? Because God's going to build generationally. And for the first time, I believe, on the earth is the possibility for God to move in three generations. Why? Because we've had fathers that's fathering now my generation, and now we've got my generation that's looking to the next generation. And we can see the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob generationally. It's available. It's called inheritance. But you get it as a son, not as a gift. A gift will minister to people. It'll bring people to Jesus. It'll cause a hallelujah and a shout, but it won't change cities. It won't change governments. But sonship will. Why? Because it's not something you say. It's who you are. See, it wasn't something Jesus did. It's who he was. He carried it. How many of y'all want to carry it? It's available. Okay, won't you stand up with me? Let me pray over you. I'm going to release it back to Pastor. I'm going to ask the praise and worship team if you guys will come up. Sometimes I get so frustrated just when I teach on this because I have so much on sonship and i got a little time to put it in there. <laughs>